as, as Pastor Seth and I were reflecting on this past year, like he said, I mean, there were some awesome things that happened in, in 2020. In spite of a pandemic, in spite of being, um, you know, we were shut down in in-person services for several weeks and, and all of that, there were still some awesome things that happened. We saw miracles. We saw provision. We had improvements that happened here in our building. And, and we saw people rise up to challenges. But we also, all of us, saw loss and, and we saw um, challenges that, that were hard. And we maybe experienced some devastation. There was some refining there. We've, we've lost some, some rear ends that had filled some seats here and, and some consistency and, and maybe even lost a little bit of, of um, assurance, maybe, that, that we're ever going to see the end of this thing. And uh, as Pastor Seth and I were reflecting on that, uh, you know, it's good to look back and, and assess, you know, where, where are we now? Where where were we a year ago? What's, what's happened? What can we improve on? What needs to change? What, what was awesome that we need to do again? You know, all of those things. Um, in spite of how awesome it has felt this morning in our service, Pastor Seth and I have really just felt burdened for, for our people, for our church. And um, as your shepherds, as, as the ones who love you and who are here to to guide you. Um, this message today is a message of encouragement. It's a message of positive challenging, but also maybe a little bit of loving correction and guidance to help us move forward into 2021 and be able to see all that God has in store for us. I mean, everyone across this room would, would uh, yes and amen, me saying that of course, God has something for each person. He's created us with purpose. And, and even though I know that God doesn't work on a 365 calendar, 12 months, January to January, I believe there is something um, important about assessing, you know, at the beginning of the year or, or assessing at a specific time where you can say, this is where I am and this is where I want to be and I'm not going to let anything take me the opposite direction. So with that in mind, I just want everyone to ask yourself this question here. Would you put that? Because I don't remember how exactly I worded it. Am I in the same spiritual place now that I was in January of 2020? Am I spiritually in the same place that I was in a year ago? Am I further behind? Am I further along? What's my spiritual status now? Has anything changed? If the answer is yes, something has changed. I'm, I'm not in the same spiritual place and I'm further along. Awesome. We are so proud of you. Keep going. If the answer is actually, I've kind of regressed because we were shut down for several weeks and I got out of the habit or you know, I, I've had a, a lot of stressful things that have happened, and I, I find that I'm spiritually not where I was a year ago, then let's work on that. If you say, yeah, I'm in the exact same place, then we have room to grow, right? Because our goal as Christians God's goal for us is for our relationship with Him, our spiritual status with Him, to continually be growing. That's what we should do. That's the automatic next step as Christians. Automatically, as soon as we become a Christian, our very next step is spiritual growth. It's forward. You know, that's why we say when you become saved, then your next step is to be baptized because you're declaring something has changed. That's a sign of spiritual growth. That's why we teach on baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's why we teach on prayer. That's why we talk about getting in the Word. That's why we have this worship time where we're not just putting on a concert, but we're encouraging you to engage. That's part of taking a step forward and saying, I am spiritually growing. I'm moving forward. I am trying to mature in my spiritual walk with God. Colossians chapter 1, 
verses 9 through 14 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So we've started here where we have redemption of sins, we have forgiveness, and because of all of that, because we're out of the darkness, because there is new life, then we take steps to grow in knowledge, to grow in wisdom, to be taking those steps forward in our relationship with God. So if your answer to this is, yes, I am in this same spiritual place now that I was a year ago, then let's move forward together. Let's grow together. If you've regressed, then let's catch up and then go even further. And if you say, I have gone further, then awesome. We're going to go even further in 2021 because there's nothing that the devil would like more than for us to see all the chaos around us, for us to have the fear of the virus or the fear of what's happening, happening politically or the frustration and anger to get to us and to pull us further back than where we were even a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. And that excitement that we've had this morning to be in the house of God and to worship him, this sweet presence that we've experienced today, it doesn't have to be a one and done thing. And it doesn't have to be a rarity here. Everybody already knows that you come here. We've already spoken in tongues. They hear me do it every single week. So if they hear 10 seconds of the service, they're going to know that we speak in tongues around here so so come on let's do it together right let's engage in the holy spirit let's engage in his presence because there is an outpouring of the holy spirit and a revival that's ready to take place we've just got to do our part in it pastor seth and i can't can't do it all for it for you or for us he can't do it for me and i can't do it for him we can't do it for Miss Carol and she can't do it for Jeff. We all have to do our own part in saying, I am here and tomorrow I want to be here and a week from now I want to be here and I'm not going back to where I started. That's not the goal. The goal is not to, to go back. I'm reminded of, of the parable of the sower and the seed in Luke chapter 8 where um, Jesus is talking to the crowd and, and he shares this story. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have a scripture up on the slide for it, but he, Jesus shares this story of uh, parables or stories where Jesus kind of helps to explain things to the people. So it, basically he's dumbing it down for us to understand what teaching he's trying to get across. And he says that a farmer comes out and he, he uh, spreads some seed. And the seed falls in four different places. It falls on a footpath. It falls on some rocks, some thorns, and some good soil. And so the first set of seeds that's on the footpath, people are walking, and, and it never can get rooted. Uh, people kick it out of the way, and, and the birds come and eat it. And the, other, the next part, the, the seeds that are thrown on the rocks, they, they grow, but they're not rooted because those rocks have prevented the seed from actually taking good root. And so while there is a little bit of fruit, the littlest thing can come and dry it up and it's no more. And those seeds that are on the thorns, they may, they may grow, but there's, it's not good soil and it's not a good place to flourish and there's never good fruit. But the seed that's planted in good soil that seed, of course, is going to produce good fruit. So Jesus tells this story to the people, and of course, he probably said it so much more eloquently. And after everyone left, the disciples came back and said, Jesus, what did this even mean? And he said, I'm talking about the Word. I'm talking about the Word of God. And, and when 
that seed is, is spread out for everyone. There's going to be people that hear this word. They're going to kick it out of the way. And stuff's going to come and eat it up. And it's never going to take root. And then there's going to be people that hear the word, but, but they're not rooted. That's the rocks. And they may produce a little bit of fruit, but when a dry season comes or when something tough comes, it's going to go away. And, and that seed that's, that's thrown out in the thorns, they might produce a little bit of fruit, but, but there might be a little bit of things that prevent those, those false doctrines and false things are going to come along and make it even harder. And, and they may produce a little bit of fruit, but it's not going to last long and there's not going to be a, a beautiful crop from that. But the good soil is the soil that receives the word, that changes and there's a, a, a fruit that's produced and, and it's going to be something that can last on. And there's going to be more fruit that comes later and more fruit that comes later. And we're at a point in, in the American church where all four of those types of seeds are being, uh, all four of those types of soil and areas are represented in churches. And we can change whether or not we're good soil. We can change whether or not we're easily swayed by the situations around us. We can change whether or not we're, we're easily swayed by false doctrine or false opinions. And we can become good soil. And the evidence of good soil is growth. The evidence of good soil is new fruit. So if the same empty seats are in this room, then do we have good soil? Because it's, we're not just talking about good fruit that I'm a nice person. Yes, that's true. We do have, we, you need to be nice. But if I am living according to what the Word says, He says, now that you have the Spirit in you, go make disciples. That's the evidence of good soil. That's the evidence of good fruit that we're making disciples. And if I'm walking like Jesus and talking like Jesus and my relationship with Jesus is growing continually, man, people can't help but hear about who God is and I can't help but share who He is. I can't help but disciple people and help people grow. And not only will this church be filled, but churches all around will be filled because I'm just all about the Father's business. I'm just all about producing that good fruit, that good and positive fruit that the Holy Spirit wants us to produce. That's the evidence of good soil I want to be good soil a healthy plant produces fruit a healthy body produces new cells a healthy business produces profits the sign of health and growth is production of something good and the sign of spiritual growth is good fruit but spiritual growth requires a few things from us number one it requires discipline we don't like that. I don't like discipline. I don't like to be disciplined in certain areas. Discipline in church and in reading our Bibles and in prayer and stewardship of our money, of the things that God's blessed us with. Stewardship uh, in, in our time. Discipline in our confession. Dis I'm disciplined to repent. I'm disciplined to, to just stand here in that humility and say, God, whatever it is, I, I want to make this a regular thing that you purify me, that you cleanse me, that you sanctify me and change those things about me that don't represent you. I got to be disciplined in that. Discipline isn't just an attitude or a thought. We can't just say that I have good intentions to be disciplined in God. I've got to actually take some action. For example, if I say, oh, this year I'm going to save $5,000. I'm going to do it. Sounds really great. And then every weekend you see me out shopping. And every, every week, we're, every night, we're going out to eat. Well, you would say, huh, they're not going to save much money if they're out spending their money all the time. I have a good intention, but I'm not being disciplined I mean, at the beginning of the year, I'm sure so many people have joined a gym this year or started some weight loss program and, and they start and maybe they even give a little bit of their money for it. But are they disciplined and changing their actions or is it just a mindset that I want to be skinny and look cute in some jeans? 
That's the difference between discipline and, and actually and not being disciplined, not following through with that. First Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. There is, is something good coming when we are disciplined, when we create a disciplined household, when we create a disciplined culture in, in our families and in our marriages and, and for ourselves. If I'm disciplined in my relationship with God, they, He can't do anything but bless me. He can't do anything but follow through with His promises. He can't do anything but follow through with His good word that says, I've got a promise that He's going to take care of me in this life and in the life to come. But I have to be disciplined first. Here's some practical examples for your home. And, and listen, I'm saying this in great love for you, and I'm saying this as I'm speaking it to Seth and I as well. And I've noticed over the last year, year and a half, when Pastor Seth and I have, have touched on things that have to do with what happens in our home, we might get a lot of amens and shaking heads, but we don't see any change. We don't hear the evidence of any change happening. Your schedules stay the same and, and, and things represented in your household are staying the same and we get the amen, but we don't see the discipline happening. So here's some practical tools and examples. Morning prayer as a family. My family did this all growing up and as a teenager, I hated it, but I'm so thankful for it. My dad would stop us at the door before we walked out. Sometimes we would be running late and it would drive us crazy or drive my mom crazy, but we would stand in a circle and we had to have a good attitude about it and we would just pray. And it wasn't 20 minutes, but it was the seal that in this house, we're going to put God first. We're going to start this day in prayer. So start that in your families. You might forget a day here and there, but make that a, a discipline every day. I want before I walk out of my house, I'm going to take some time with my family and pray. Daily devotion time as a family or personally. That's another thing. When I was a kid, I hated devotion times as a family because I didn't want to stop what I was doing. I didn't want to take my headphones off because I was listening to whatever Kirk Franklin CD there was or something. I didn't want to stop playing or watching TV, but then I would see my dad come in with the giant family devotional book that was super cheesy and we would sit down and we would always talk about it. And it doesn't have to be cheesy and you can, you can change what's on that cheesy devotional book or you can look at some of the resources that are in our, our app or in Right Now Media, but be intentional about that. If you don't have kids in your house, will you do it yourself or or get with your spouse and say, we're going to have some intentional uh, devotion and discussion time about God in this house regularly. We're going to be disciplined about it. That's how we get further along this year than we were last year. On our drive to and from work, having a worship time, instead of turning on the radio to listen to whatever, turn on your favorite worship song and just sing it out loud or sing with your kids in the car with you or or turn it off and have some prayer time but being intentional i may not i may have a full day today but i'm going to spend at least a few minutes in the car so so i'm going to be intentional and disciplined about that time daily bible reading like i said through the church app there's the the church plans and or other resources that have the, your daily bible reading giving our tithes and offerings regularly and we've spoken on, on giving, but if you're not doing that regularly, then make that a discipline in your life. Say, God, I, I am going to grow this year even if it is a sacrifice for me to give. Church is up as a priority above everything else. If this is something that you, you struggle with, then make it a goal maybe. In our house, I'm going to work on being at church four weeks in a row without missing. And then I'm going to try six weeks. And then I'm going to try eight weeks. 
and create that culture in your house where Sunday night, Sunday morning or Saturday night, the question isn't whether or not we're going to church. It's what time do I need to be ready to walk out the door? Create that culture of expectation. And then when you start coming regularly, we're going to be here on time. We're going to be here early. We're going to serve in church. We're going to grow. And all those different things in our worship time, in our serve time, in that prayer time, we're growing in God. If you're a list maker, put that on your list. I'm a list maker. I want to, every single week, it drives Seth crazy, I make a list of all the things that I need to do for every day of the week, and I put on there, wash the dishes, so I can check it off. And I put on there, switch out the laundry, so I can check it off. I put on there, make the bed. I put on there, read your Bible. If you need to put on there, brush your teeth, whatever, check it off. I love being able to check things as done. So make a list and put it on there every day. I'm going to read my Bible. I am going to have some prayer time with my kids or with my spouse. Set reminders on your phone. Find an accountability partner. Someone who will hold you accountable and you're not going to get mad at them for saying you've got to start doing this. Someone who, you, who will text you and say, did you read your Bible today? Let's talk about it. Have you prayed today? Have you, have you taken time to just listen to God? Creating those disciplines, that's how we grow spiritually. The second thing spiritual growth requires, surrender. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, Another translation says, is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for you to just commit your life to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There are some areas in our lives that we have to surrender to God. We need to surrender. There are some areas that it may even be a sacrifice for you to give. Some things to consider. Your time. Are you too busy to do all those things that I mentioned in number one discipline? Do you find yourself saying, I got all these other things to do or I've done all these other things. I just don't have time to dedicate to, to coming to church every week, to dedicate to my prayer time, to, to dedicate to some personal worship time. What about comforts? Do I need to surrender some comforts so that I can grow in God do I need to surrender some sin, some bad habits, some past offenses, my pride, selfish desires, money, my titles, my timeline, food, whatever it is that, that you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you that you need to surrender, you got to do it. And a good indicator of what it is that you're needing to surrender is what your excuses tend to be. So if my excuse for not coming to church or my excuse for, for not serving, my excuse for, um, for not having that devotion time with my family is that we're just too busy, then I need to surrender my time. If my excuse for, for not following what the Holy Spirit's asking me to do and obeying, which obedience is a sign of spiritual growth, if my excuse for that is I just don't see how things are going to work out, if I do what He asks me to do, I don't think that I'm going to be able to, to work things out in my timeline, then I need to surrender that timeline. If my excuse for, for not um, following what God has wanted me to do with my job is that I don't know that I'm going to make enough money to make ends meet, then maybe I need to surrender that area of my life. i got to surrender my job. i got to surrender my money or my comforts. Whatever that excuse is that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, this is what you need to do, then it's time to surrender to God and present yourself as a living sacrifice. I'm ready to give it over to you, God. Surrender your yes to whatever Holy Spirit is asking of you. Surrender your yes. The white flag in battle is seen as a sign of truce or ceasefire, negotiations, or surrender by a weaker party. 
Someone who's waving a white flag in battle is saying, you've defeated me. I can't go on any further. Let's just figure out how we can negotiate and make this work. Please don't shoot me. Spiritually, though, waving the white flag of surrender is not a sign of weakness or defeat, but a sign of strength and holiness. And there are no negotiations to discuss with God or resistance. It's a simple yes to what God has for you. And that doesn't even have to be something bad. Yes, God, I want you to move in my life so I surrender to you. Yes, God, I want to see my kids knowing you so I surrender my family to you. Waving that white flag is not weakness. It's strength in the Holy Ghost saying I'm ready for you to move all over my life. Spiritual growth requires surrender. Spiritual growth requires consumption. We got this food here. I hate green peas, and these peas are about to make me gag because I've been smelling them this whole time. The table is set here, literally and, and spiritually, and today the atmosphere that we've experienced is just one example, one sign or confirmation that the Holy Spirit has set the table for Believer's Fellowship to move into a time of revival. I have felt that for, for a long time, that we're just on the cusp, on the edge of revival, and the table is set for us, but we have to consume what the Holy Spirit has already put out in front of us. We've got to consume what He's given us. There's a clear difference between just coming and sitting at the table and actually consuming the food that's at the table. There's a clear difference. It would be dumb. It would be silly for us to go to a restaurant and pay for food that we just look at. We consume the food that is set before us. It's yours and mine for the taking, but sadly... Each week, Pastor Seth and I and pastors all across the nation see people come in and out and in and out and in and out and they never consume the food that's set before the people. We might even be guilty of it ourselves that I, I'm having a rough morning this morning. I've been frustrated with my kids. My spouse is annoying. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I got a busy week this week. People are getting on my nerves. I just want to come in and do my thing and I'll sit here and I'll check off the box, but I don't want to consume what's here because that may take a little bit more surrender than what I'm ready for. But we will not see true revival until we consume what's at the table for us. Every single week on Sunday mornings, we have a time of worship, a message, we have altar, we have fellowship. All of those are areas that we can be spiritually growing. Parents, if you're not engaging in worship, don't expect your kids to do it. Parents, every morning on Sundays, if you're not getting up ready and excited for church, don't expect your kids to want to come. Spouses, same for you. If you're not ready to be in the house of God and engage in what He has set before us, then don't expect your family, don't expect your household to do the same. We've got to pull, pull up our boots a little bit and say, I'm ready for a revival. I'm ready to just do what God wants me to do. I'm ready for the outpouring. When you leave, have you consumed every single crumb? Or did you just sit at the table and then walk through those doors hungry. Because true desperation for spiritual growth says, I don't care if I have to crawl there. I don't care if I've got to lick that plate clean. I'm going to get every single drop and every single crumb that the Holy Spirit has for me because I want more of Him. I want God. I want all that He has for me. There's nothing else. There's no one else. And we can sing the songs and we can wave our hands and we can do a little clap and say an amen. But if we walk out of those doors the same way, hungry and empty week after week. We're forfeiting all that God has in store for us here at the table. We have to consume it. Now pull your toes back a little bit because I'm about to step on them. If I haven't already. Sunday nights are often seen as an optional time. And I'm going to be honest, it's, it's hard and it's frustrating as your pastor's to plan hours each week 
into a service that we don't know if we're going to be the only ones there for. Before we came, before we even committed to coming, people begged us, please bring Sunday nights back. We want Sunday nights. We want our kids to be here. We need that time. And most weeks, we have the same few, if that. And it's hard and it's frustrating because the table has been set. And it's not just because we want something else to fill our calendar or we want something else to justify a paycheck. It's because the Holy Spirit has put it in our hearts that we're here to help you and your family grow. So if time in His house is optional to you, okay, I'm not saying you're not going to make heaven, but you're not going to grow. The table's set for you. What are you going to do? Are you going to leave on Sunday mornings when you come with a full table set and don't come back until the next Sunday? Are you going to say, we're about to change some things in our house? Get in His house. Get in His Word. Sit at His feet. We're going to be intentional about consuming what's before us. If there's a fun event, I'll come. If there's food provided, I'm going to be here. If I don't have anything else to go uh, to do, nothing else is going on. I don't have any trips planned. If I don't have uh, any work to do, if, if the house doesn't need cleaning, if there's not a project, then I'll be there, maybe. But don't count on it. We hear it all the time. That's fine. But you're not going to grow. Wednesday nights, we say it every week are for kids and youth, but adults can come too. And I guarantee you, if you come and serve, first of all, you're going to grow spiritually by serving the kingdom. And you're going to learn a little lesson as well in youth or in kids, and you're going to get to worship, and you're going to get to engage in His presence. And if Wednesday nights are optional for you and your family, once again, that's fine. And it doesn't mean you're not going to make heaven, but you're forfeiting where we've set the table for you. You can't attend Believer's Fellowship and say, I'm not growing. If you're not growing, that's on you. Because we're giving you the Word. We're giving you all that you need each week. It's time to consume what's at the table. we got Bible plans and resources on the app, devotionals. We've paid for Right Now Media. All these avenues for you and your family to engage. What is 2021 going to look like for you? Is it going to look the same? Okay. Are you going to make a difference? Are you going to change something in your house? Please. And we want to be right there along with you. The reality is there are 168 hours in a week. What are we consuming during that 168 hours? If you arrive on time for a Sunday morning service, you'll get an hour and a half in which is less than 1% of your entire week. So if checking off the Sunday morning box for you is all that you need for your walk with God, you've only filled 1% of your week. If you come on Sunday morning and evening, that's about three hours totaling 1.8% of your week. We're not even at 2% if you come to both times on Sunday mornings and now throw in Wednesday night service you're up to four and a half hours bringing you to 2.7 percent of your week so in a week where a church member has come Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night on time they have only filled four and a half hours of the week which is less than three percent of the week where is the other 97 percent going now, I understand we have a 40-hour work week or, or we're at school for 40 hours and I was doing all the math and statistics because then I went down this vortex of all these percentages and I didn't want to do that to you. But all of that would consume about half of your week, 50% with sleep and school or work. So the other half of your time is so precious and so important if you want to grow. What are you doing? What are you consuming? Are you consuming social media? Are you consuming TV? Are you pushing the plate back that the Holy Spirit's offering you and saying, no, I, I, I don't really even want to focus on God right now. Okay. I'm not saying you're going to hell for that. But you're not growing. And your kids aren't growing. And your spouse isn't growing. 
Churches and ministers all across America, us included, have prepared a spread for consumption and fear that some see it, they compliment it, they love that it's there, we're going to tell our friends about it and share it on Facebook, but they settle for the aroma and never consume the food that's there. When I googled when someone is not growing, I thought I was going to see like a medical thing like links or something about malnourishment. But instead, I just, there was nothing like that. It was just pages and pages full of relationship advice. Signs that your spouse isn't growing or signs that um, you have outgrown your relationship. What to do, how to make your relationship grow, how to grow in in your um, marriage and all these things. It was all these marriage tips and advice, which leads me to believe that growth in any relationship is important and vital and worth talking about even in a secular setting. It's not just talking about our relationship with God. However, our relationship with God is the most important relationship that we can feed and nurture. If someone isn't feeding themselves or isn't consuming the nutrients they need, they are defined as malnourished. Medically, here are some things that that happen when you're malnourished. Failure to thrive, weak muscles or loss of muscle, frequent falling, a low immune system, vision loss, speech impairments, memory loss, heart issues, pain, slow healing wounds, or a sick and weak appearance. All of those are signs that someone medically is malnourished. They're not receiving the nutrients that they need, the nourishment that they need. Spiritually, when someone is malnourished, let's compare. Number one, inability to thrive in a deceitful world. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. If we're spiritually malnourished, we cannot survive and thrive in a deceitful world because we'll be tossed to and fro by opinions and by false doctrines. We'll be too weak to lead, lead our families, lead our own lives. We'll fall when we're tempted with sin. The inability to fight attacks from the enemy will be blind to the kingdom vision and deaf to God's voice. We'll speak from emotions instead of righteousness. We'll forget God's promises, commandments, and nature. We'll have a hardened or stressed out heart, experience unnecessary pain, or inflict pain on others. Emotional wounds will heal slowly and will look more like the world and less like Jesus. None of those said, I'm going to hell. But man, they might be a few steps from it. If I can't get the nourishment I need, what thing is going to keep me from heaven? What thing is going to keep my kids from heaven? What's going to keep me from even all the blessings that God has for me and all the plans that He has in store for me? What's going to keep me from that? Let it not be said about you or your family that you look like a bunch of malnourished, weak Christians but grow into strong, mighty, faithful, and confident Christians. Husbands in the room, commit to your own spiritual growth first before you try to say anything else in your house. Commit to your own spiritual growth first. Then lead your wife in her spiritual journey. That's the husband's role spiritually in his house is to be the spiritual leader, meaning I'm leading her in her journey. So keep her accountable. And wives, be okay with that. With your husband saying, have you read your Bible today? Have you had a time of prayer today? I don't know that you should talk like that. Or should we watch this show on TV, wife? I love you, but is that spiritually going to grow us? Should we listen to that? Should, Should we take part in that? Should we maybe distance ourselves from some friends? 
spiritually lead. You grow first. You get things right first. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. But if you're telling your wife, you need to read your Bible and pray and don't hang out with these people and watch this and don't say that, but you're doing all the same things, then she might punch you in the face, okay? No, it's going to draw a wedge between you. Get things right. Lead your wife. Dad, lead your family. That's also part of being the spiritual leader in your household. There's so many statistics about if the father's not in the church, what that does spiritually in, in kids' lives. But dad... Lead your family in church. Create that expectation and that culture in your home. We are going to be bold Christians in this house. Set the standard in your home. Be the gatekeeper. Now this is another thing that, that um, we get a lot of amens on whenever we've talked about this over the last year, year and a half. For parents and, and for um, the spiritual leaders in, in a house. Be the gatekeeper. If over half of your kid's time is at school or sleeping, then you have less than half of that time to fill them with the goodness and knowledge of God. But if this has more influence on them than the Word of God, then the gate is wide open. There's too many things that are open for them to, to get false information, false doctrine, I'm not, I'm not even ta I'm not talking about predators even. I'm talking about the things they listen to and the things that they watch and the things that they have access to. If it's not godly and if you're not checking up on it, you have got to shift some things in your house. Let me tell you, it may not be popular in your house, but take that phone at night. Don't let them take it to their rooms when it's dark and they can get involved in things that they have no right or no place getting involved in. We all know, parents, that when everyone else in your house has gone to bed or when the doors are closed and the lights are off, we have access to things on our phones or our devices that the devil wants to use to destroy our kids. And we'll be blunt. Pornography, there's things on TikTok, on Instagram, on Snapchat, I'm not even just talking sexually. If your home is a home of godly values and godly principles and you say we don't stand for homosexuality in our house, then don't allow them to take this to their room by themselves or watch shows that have things that welcome that or listen to music that has things that welcome that and then expect your kids to come here and believe the way that we believe. If over half of their time is spent on this, with this pouring into their minds at school and with this, then what makes you think that when they get in here, they're going to believe what the Word says? Because most of their, their, uh, the things coming into their lives are opposite of what the Word says. And you can't blame your kids for that. you got to blame yourself for that. you got to get a hold of the devil and say, I'm not letting this in my house anymore. And if you're saying amen and you don't go home and change some things, then your kids are not going to grow. Your family's not going to grow. Your kids are going to leave your house and be confused about what the word says versus what the world says. They're going to look more like the world and look less like Jesus. They're going to go to school every single week, every single day, and they're going to have language coming out of their mouth that they shouldn't be talking. They're going to be hanging out with people they shouldn't hang out with. They're not going to be representatives of Jesus Christ they're going to be representatives of this false doctrine that they've got in their mind that I can come to church on Sunday mornings with my less than one percent of my time but all the other 99 percent of the time I don't have to commit anything to Jesus I don't have to surrender I don't have to sacrifice my life for him I'm just a kid it doesn't matter my my parents are strict it doesn't matter it's silly we can't blame them for that Let's say you don't have kids at home. You're not even married. Well, if you're allowing those same things to enter your life and church is your, your 1% or your 2.7% of your week and everything else coming into your life is opposite of the truth that's in the Word, you can't blame anybody else but yourself because the table set we got to be ready to consume. We got to consume. 
It'd be silly for us to see a starving person, a beggar, and we hand him food and he throws it away. It would be, it would be so, we would judge a parent for saying, oh, please, my kids are starving. They're hungry. Can you give me a phone for my kids? They're hungry. We would laugh at like, you've lost your mind. We see a starving person, and they say, I just, if you'll just give me a basketball, it's all I need is a basketball or a baseball. If you'll, if you'll just give me a TV, that's all I need to fill my hunger. We would say, you are crazy. We would talk bad about people who do that. If we had a loved one who's dying, and the only thing that would keep them alive is if they would eat, but they refuse to eat, and food's right in front of them. I know some of you would like physically force feed some people to just eat what's right in front of them. Or you got someone who, who's, who's so busy. I mean, they're just busy, busy, busy all the time. And for days and weeks, they don't stop and take time to eat. Well, they're going to get sick. They're not going to be healthy anymore. And we would physically stop them and say, sit down and eat. I have to remind him like every day when I'm not home. I have to text him, are you eating lunch? Because he forgets what time it is. I don't know how he does that, but I have to tell him, eat your food. It would be so silly for us to allow someone to starve. Yet every single week, we see what's laid here out before us. And we say, well, my kids stayed up really late. So, they don't have to come to church today and I'm pretty tired myself. Or, just really not feeling it. So, I'll come to church today, but I'm just going to sit at my seat. You know what? I don't like that. It It didn't sound like what I wanted it to sound like. I don't I didn't like that song or Pastor Katie's getting on my nerves today. So whatever. Every week we're trashing the food that's laid before us at this table and we're not consuming it. And kids, you too, you're not too young to consume what's here at the table. You're not too young to consume it. And I'm not even saying that, that you're a bad person or not a good Christian if you're not consuming it. I'm just saying you're, you're throwing it away. You're throwing away what's right there before you every single week. Oh, it would be too embarrassing for me to walk up to this altar. Someone might think something's wrong. So I'll sit here. We throw it away. We're complacent. We have the same problems. We're we're stagnant. Got the same excuses. We walk in and out and nothing's changing. Let me tell you, Pastor Seth and I, we hear the same issues in your family every week. We hear the same kind of conversation. And I'm not even talking about major problems. I'm saying we hear the same angry kind of talk or the same... uh, prideful conversation the same good intentions over and over but nothing's changing we see the same habits we see the same empty seats and every week throwing it away we see you walk in and walk out and nothing's changing and i'm not saying we're perfect at it either because we got our own things That every week we bring in and then take out. Let's change some things this year in our families and in our own our own lives. Let's wave that white flag of surrender. God, I don't care what anybody else says or what anybody else is doing. I need you to move in my life. Next week. 
let's come in with the same expectation and the same authority that we came in with today. I can't magically replenish the food that I threw out and what's done is done here. There's no fishing it out of the trash. Cameron asked if she could eat the food and I told her yes. So that offer is still on the table, Cameron, if you want to eat this. But each morning there's a full table replenished and renewed set by God. Every day. It doesn't even have to be Sundays and Wednesdays. Each day. Man, I wasn't great about that yesterday. But today there was a new table set. Next Thursday, messed up a little bit. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray today. Well, that's okay because tomorrow there's a new table set. I'm just creating those disciplines to grow. As I was um, working on this sermon, I felt very specifically there's someone, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about a specific thing that you need to cut out in your life. I don't, I'm not even saying I know, I don't know who this is talking about or what situation this is, but this is, I'm not even elaborating beyond what the Holy Spirit gave me. It will be painful and you will have questions about how things will work out. This is your confirmation that you've been waiting on and you need to obey. So we're going to take some time this morning. I know it's a little later than usual. But would you commit this morning to say this year is not going to be the year that nothing changes for me or that things regress for me. But this year, I'm going to sit at the table and consume all that God has for me. I'm going to pull my chair up. I'm going to get the chair for my wife or my husband. I'm going to pull a chair up for my kids. I'm going to pull a chair up for my friends. Even if they don't come sit immediately, I'm ready. I'm prepared. And I'm going to eat what's here at the table until I see my table full. Let's commit to that this year.